The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. I think we've got a good show on tap for you today. Our first guest, well, let's see, he's, uh, he's only won three Kentucky Derbies, three Belmont Stakes, two Preakness Stakes, and he's in Racing's Hall of Fame. Been making a lot of headlines lately, as after a seven-year layoff, Gary Stevens is back in the saddle, and he swept the stakes at Santa Anita. Gary himself said he was suffering from a little bit of second-itis there when he got back in the saddle, but obviously uh, the disease is gone. Uh, he's also uh, going to be uh, riding in uh, the Santa Maria, a uh, grade two race that we'll be looking at a little bit later in the show. So uh, very uh, blessed to uh, be able to talk to Gary Stevens and uh, just uh, so happy for him uh, on, his, on his comeback. Uh, and so we'll be hearing from Gary. I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation. And then another very interesting individual is Eric Wing, who uh, is the marketing mayhem at the NTRA, but he's involved in a lot of projects, one of them being the handicapping championship that took place last week. He'll give us some insight on that. And then want to talk to him a little bit about America's Best Racing because uh, he gives you his top 40 triple count contenders. Uh, he gives the... Uh, future book odds, and a little comment on each horse uh, also with his trainer connections. Uh, so should be a very interesting show. I'm going to try to make it that way for you anyhow. Well, uh, we need to start the show off with some what I hope is not bad news, but certainly is very important to the industry, is that uh, last night uh, Stone Street Farm put out information that Rachel Alexandra, 2009 Horse of the Year with Riddle Equine Clinic, uh, where she has complications developed from the birth of her Bernardini filly, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But they do say that a full prognosis cannot be determined at this time, but that her condition is serious. So... Um, the the filly, if you saw a photo of her, there's several out there on the internet. A uh, hundred and forty pound filly, so obviously uh, the beautiful filly uh, might have done some some damage. So they're just hoping that Rachel is comfortable, and uh, that is the last release I've seen 
from Stone Street. So hopefully, Horse of the Year, Rachel Alexandra, is going to pull through and make it. My guess is she'll miss this breeding season, but that doesn't matter. What we'd really like to have is a healthy Horse of the Year back so she can have plenty of other babies. All right, well, we started out over the weekend with the Kentucky Derby Future Wager. And as expected, the field closed out at 8-5, to five, followed by Veronzano, 11 to 1, the lowest odds for a separate interest of Verrazano, followed by Flashback, another lightly raced horse at 12 to 1. It's My Lucky Day, 13 to 1. Revolutionary, who uh, right now is kind of getting my backing at 13 to 1. Right there with Violence at 13 to 1. Shanghai Bobby at 14 to 1. Normandy Invasion at 15 to 1. So that's that's where they ended up over, over the weekend. And uh, the connections. Very happy uh, with the outcome. Uh, John Asher noting that they had the incredible snowstorm that swept through New York and the Northeast. So uh, probably a lot of guys weren't able to get out and make it to their favorite track or OTB parlor to uh, get in. And uh, But nonetheless, there was a lot of action on the Kentucky Derby future uh, in Pool 1. Again, the field going off the favorite. If it wins, it'll pay $5.20. And speaking of Verrazano, it looks like uh, while the lightly raced horse, he's two for two in his career, but had a huge buyer on February 2nd at 105. It uh, looks like he's going to make his stakes debut in the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, Todd Pletcher just thought that this uh, fit the horse uh, a little bit better. Um, another trainee of his, uh, Delholm, was also under consideration for the Tampa Bay Derby, but he said he'll most likely await the Rebel Stakes at Oaklawn Park. He's going to have a hard time keeping his horses out of their way. Uh, he's got so many that are that are on the Derby trail. Uh, some uh, sad news is that Herb Stevens, he was the trainer of Rock Hill Native. He died, of course, he was 96 years old, but if you're ever a steady patron or horseman at Keeneland, uh, you knew what a uh, person Herb was and how much he meant to that track. Pretty much after the workouts, you could go to the track kitchen and get your biscuits and gravy, and he'd be there holding court. Of course, uh, his uh, the consummate hard boot, as they called him, uh, his all-time stable star was Rock Hill Native, and he got to win the bluegrass with that horse. I don't know if that meant as much as winning the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he was the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, but he ran fifth in that race. He did run third in the Belmont Stakes five weeks later. I know uh, Herb, just a, an amazing mainstay uh, in the Midwest. He was a leading multiple trainer at, at River Downs, and again, he'll be he'll be sorely missed. Uh, most people will just tell you he's one of the best horsemen that was ever out there. Speaking of uh, some of the best horsemen ever out there, Calvin Burrell, he's making his comeback on Saturday. And uh, if you want maybe a little piece of history, you're going to have to show up every day. He's only one win away from win 5,000. And Oaklawn, who's uh, very been advanced in their promotions, uh, they're put together commemorative trading cards uh, honoring Burrell's 5,000th win. And they're going to be distributed to all race fans in attendance at Oaklawn the day Burrell gets the win. So right now, nobody's 100% sure what day that's going to be. Well, uh, the Jockey Club partnered up with NBC Sports, and the uh, Road to Kentucky Derby schedule is out. Uh, there's going to be six races 
Of course, they're going to have the highest tier of all the point system. It's kind of neat that the Jockey Club is actually uh, putting money into this. And uh, according to Ogden Mills Phipps, he said that increasing the television presence of thoroughbred racing is one of the fan development initiatives that the Jockey Club's embraced over the past 18 months, and they're going to continue to aggressively cross-promote thoroughbred racing, not only on television, but a variety of traditional and new digital media platforms. So good to see the Jockey Club ponying up right there. Now, it's going to start off with a Kentucky Derby preview show on Saturday, March 23rd. It's going to be a half-an-hour show. They're going to kind of set the stage for what's going to be coming up, and that will be March 30th. You'll get to see the, the Florida Derby from Gulfstream Park and the Louisiana Derby from the fairgrounds. And then next up to bat, we'll be going to both sides of the country. Saturday, April 6th, the Wood Memorial will be aired, as well as the Santa Anita Derby. Then it's uh, Saturday, April 13th, time to get closer to Churchill Downs. We'll be going to Keeneland for the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes, and it's going to round with racing. Always good to see a racing in the forefront. And a horse that's going to be in the forefront will be Black Caviar, who is going to go to post. As you recall, she picked up a lot of weight as she was recuperating from an injury over the winter, but she's coming back in a race named after her, the half-a-million-dollar Black Caviar Lightning Stakes. Now, she has won the Lightning Stakes twice already, and all I can tell you is the people from Mooney Valley is looking forward to that. They're say that 22,000 people showed up the last time Black Caviar won the second running of the uh, the Lightning Stakes. Well, uh, let's take a quick look at uh, some of the races that uh, we handicapped with J.J. Grassi last week, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, start with the mainstay and work our way backwards, and that was the Don Handicap, which uh, is a race that well, maybe you don't need a whole lot of seasoning. <laughs> Graydar, trained by none other than Todd Pletcher, that uh, four-year-old who had only made three starts coming into this race, did not race at two, went wire to wire, a beautiful ride by Edgar Prado that uh, just uh, squeezed every ounce out of him. Uh, Graydar paid thirteen forty to win. Uh, second was Bourbon Courage, who put in a really nice close. He was uh, the best of the rest, as they say. Now, flat out, the horse that we thought maybe was the one to beat, uh, I remember J.J. saying this race goes through flat out, just ran kind of flat. He he made a, a good middle move and then um, kind of just uh, hung after that. Uh, but the horse hadn't been out since November in the Breeders' Cup Classic. You can bet uh, Billy Mott will have some big plans for that horse. From there, we moved to the 10th race at Gulfstream Park. And uh, in this race, it was uh, a rematch of the Marshall's River. That's what we thought. But it was none other than Todd Pletcher coming in with the second-place finisher of the Marshall's River. On this race, going a mile and an eighth on the turf, wire to wire, it was channel Lady, a four-year-old daughter of English Channel, uh, getting up. But what 
a finish. If you get a chance to go back and watch the Suwannee River, there were five horses across the track at the finish. Now, Channel Lady did go wire to wire. Xavier Castellano in the saddle got up by three-quarters of a length, but then it was Abaco who rallied from sixth, going four wide, just to nose out in glorious. So it was, uh, it was quite the finish there in the Sewanee River. Then from there, we went to the Gulfstream Park Sprint Championship, and this is another race that had a great final furlong. Very, very competitive, and uh, it was only a half a length win. Getting the win, Fort Loudon coming out of a disappointing race in the Sunshine Millions Classic where he backed up, beaten 13 lengths, but did finish third after setting the pace. We're going to have to throw that one out to the, to the slop. But Fort Loudon just put in a very, very gutsy performance. Uh, gaining in second was Swagger Jack. A uh, very exciting race. The favorite was Bahamian Squall. Again, we said this race might be benefited by the Florida Breds, who had been in the Sunshine Millions. Uh, this horse uh, was in the Sunshine Millions sprint and finished second. So Bahamian Squall had the lead, was the favorite, and faded to third. A big race for Fort Loudon, another Florida Bred. And then from there, well, it was the much-anticipated Gulfstream Park Turf handicap. This race set up as the matchup of the day between two horses, and it was Kentucky Derby winner Animal Kingdom who went off the four to five favorite. The Grand Motion trainee had been training fantastic up to this race at Palm Meadows. Um, just a, a series of race of workouts that just looked like it was really getting wound up for a mile and an eighth. Well, it'll be a much talked about race for a long time. As they went down the back stretch, uh, Animal Kingdom, who had been rated a little bit off the lead, all of a sudden made an amazing move. Probably closed eight lengths. In, in about 40 yards. It was a stupendous move, and he came up, and as they went into the turn, there were three of them across the track. But this was the first time that Joel Rosario was ever in the saddle, and Animal Kingdom uh, may have wasted uh, what he would have needed in the final furlong because he started to back up. He got the lead a little bit, but then coming three wide was the horse that we said was the most threat to Animal Kingdom. It was point of entry, went three wide. Johnny V, who was up, that's right, Animal Kingdom's former rider, three up and point of entry swept by to win by a length and a quarter. You cannot take anything away from him. Again, a lot of people will be uh, questioning uh, the ride. I know that Grand Motion did, but he also said that uh, this has not changed his plans. It looks like they are going to uh, continue to go on as planned, go to uh, Dubai. So he wasn't, uh, while he was a bit tad disappointed in the ride, Animal Kingdom will still be going to Dubai. Not sure where Shug McGee is going with point of entry, but he was very impressive. Again, for a race where it was two-horse standout, the big surprise in here was the fact that the exact, uh, if you're going to bet them, you got to box them, paid $12.60. Well, that was a look at last week. Coming up right now, a guy that's riding the rails of success after a seven-year layoff from the saddle. We're looking forward to talking to Hall of Famer 
Gary Stevens, you're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with us now on Winning Ponies is Jackie Gary Stevens. What a fantastic story. Of course, uh, Gary, uh, who uh, started riding horses, uh, quarter horses, when he was 14, went on to become the youngest jockey to surpass the $1 million mark in earnings. Uh, he's won three Kentucky Derbies, winning colors, Thunder Gulch, Silver Charm, three Belmont Stakes, two Preakness Stakes. And then um, he... Uh, also holds records for numbers of wins of the Santa Anita Derby, a race I guess he could ride in this year. He's won eight Breeders' Cup races. Uh, and then in 2005, Gary announced that he was going to retire. And uh, the uh, the good news for us is that he has come out of retirement. And what a weekend he had uh, uh, winning uh, at uh, – with uh, Slim Shady on Saturday and then coming back on Purim's Dancer in the Wishing Well. And he's got a good shot to win uh, this uh, week uh, in the uh, back at Santa Anita. And uh, with me now, I could go on uh, with the litany of his accomplishments, is Gary Stevens. Gary, how you doing? I'm doing, doing great. Just uh, got 
got home from Santa Anita. I was riding some work this morning, getting ready to go to the races uh, this afternoon and do a little show for HRTV afterwards, but uh, things couldn't be any better. I'm, I'm very pleased. Gary, you've got to feel like those guys sitting at Cape Canaveral that uh, that, that uh, plan a launching, uh, build the engines, see it take off, and, and finally it, it, it lands on the moon. I mean, you put this plan into action a while ago, and it just seems like uh, every step you took along the way was successful. Could you uh, describe to our audience kind of what went into your return to the saddle? Well, first of all, it wasn't easy. I, I had to get fit again, and, um, you know, it had been seven years, as you mentioned, and I kind of uh, started the plan and, and process uh, late last summer, was thinking about it, and then uh, came with the plan after Breeders' Cup and my commitments with NBC for the Breeders' Cup to uh, go up to Seattle and and uh, get in a, a workout program up there with a professional trainer and a, and a group of people, um, sports psychiatrists, nutritionists, the whole deal, and, and do it the right way. And um, I was about a seven-and-a-half-week um, boot camp I was in and came home a couple days before Christmas, and we started up, uh, you know, uh, early January. And uh, I knew that there were going to be skeptics and, and uh, a lot of people saying, hey, this guy, what's he doing? Why is he coming back? So I wanted to be 100% sure um, before doing it and, and didn't want to come back and be a shadow of, of what I had been in the past. So uh, you never know how you're going to be received, but I've got so many uh, close friends out there, owners, trainers, and, and uh, fans that have given me great support and, you know, it. It hasn't been an overnight success. Had a lot of second-place finishes, um, you know, leading up to last weekend. But um, it's races like those that, that really make people take notice, and, and I just appreciate the opportunities I've, I've received so far. Well, you know, you know, listening to you in your your initial press conference upon your return, uh, it did seem as though you know you were going to be uh, selective. Uh, one thing that that. Um, impressed me was your your confidence in your physical ability. You, you said you, your knees weren't 100%, they were 120%. And what I found very interesting is that you're not on any medications or no anti-inflammatories, and that wasn't the way during your earlier career. No, it wasn't. And I, I think, um, you know, that's one of the things that, that led to the initial uh, retirement back in 2005, uh, probably a combination of not only burnout, but, uh, but pain. And if I had to do all over again, I wouldn't have announced a retirement. I would have just said that I was taking a, an extended leave of absence and, and let the knees uh, heal up um, naturally and, and give myself the proper time. Well, it turned out it was seven years, but it was time well needed, not only mentally, but physically. And, you know, as far as the knees go, I see they're like retreaded tires. You know, they can, they're perfect right now, but you could be going down the expressway at 70 miles an hour and the rubber comes off on, on a gold set of uh, uh, retreaded tires. So that's kind of how I'm approaching this. I'm enjoying every day, but I, I know that, uh, you know, if I get to ride in a lot of races, that I'll have my aches and pains and I'll have to slow it down a bit. But um, I'm prepared to, to do that if that's what it needs to, to stay at the level I'm at right now. Well, Gary, workouts are one thing, but now you're actually racing during the afternoon. How are you feeling? I feel great. I mean, the combination of, of working out and and then the actual competition um, in the afternoons. I mean, you can you can do as much as you want, but until you get out there and ride races, there's nothing like being race fit and, and your timing and, and all that. It's not the same as working horses in the morning, but... 
um, once you get to a certain level, it's, it's actually, you know, um, you can bang yourself up as much in the mornings as you can in the afternoon. So, um, you know, I've been working quite a few horses in the mornings for, for certain trainers and, um, I, my hat's off to them for, um, <laughs> they're the ones that are being selective and the horses that Gary Stevens rides and, and, um, you know, I've, I've rode nothing but, uh, nice horses, uh, in the afternoons and, and for the right people and, you know, the, con- the business continues to grow. Well, Gary, as if you weren't busy enough, describe to us now what is a day in the life of Gary Stevens with the combination of your uh, riding duties and your duties with HRTV? Well, I've, I've taken a uh, halfway leave of absence with uh, HRTV. I'm, I'm only doing one show a week right now, and they just started up last week uh, called Pursuit of the Crown, which we do every year for the Triple Crown races, and then we do it again in the fall for the Breeders' Cup. And uh, it's a half-hour show on Thursday nights that I do. I'll be doing it tonight, um, you know. But it, there's starting to be a, a bit of conflict that I can I can see because I'm, I'm trying to get to the Derby. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If I've got the opportunity to sit on something that I think got a chance to cross my finish line first in the Kentucky Derby, then I'll be out there. Otherwise, I'll be behind the microphones for NBC Sports. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I'm trying to uh, get on as many of these uh, uh, colts and, that have derby uh, sites, have their sights set on the Kentucky Derby. I'm writing a very nice colt for Bob Baffert called Kids the Truth. Not sure where he's going to go with him. He's mentioned possibly the Rebel uh, at Oakland Park. I write a, a very nice colt uh, prospect for Steve Asmussen next week in the Risen Star colt named um, uh, strong strike, um, that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm excited about the, the potential out there. It's uh, proud strike is the, the Colts name that I write next weekend. Excuse me. But, um, I'm just trying to, you know, get as many places and, and write for the right people. And, and you do that enough and you're going to get in, get in the winner's circle. Gary, you know, throughout your career, you've been such a class act, and you see that from the awards that you've won. I mean, obviously, to be inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1998 was an amazing award. But you've also won the George Wolfe Memorial Award and the Mike Venezia Memorial Award. These are awards that don't go for wins or money ones. They go to people that really represent the sport and jockeys in the right light. Do you take as much pride in those awards as you do your Hall of Fame? No, most certainly. I mean, the, the Wolf and the Venezia Award, those are both um, voted on by your peers. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a, a great honor, um, you know, to, to be uh, amongst that group of, of riders that have won it in the past. And any time that uh, your peers are the ones that vote you in and, and you know, you're distinguished with those awards. It's it's a great honor. Absolutely. Well, you you said in in your uh, press conference that that your passion had come back. Exactly where did that come back? Was it six months ago? Was it a year ago? I mean, when did you actually focus and say, "I believe I want to do this again because I have the passion." I, I don't think it really totally ever went away. I think I was in a bit of denial. I, as I said, I was um, burnt out. Uh, uh, fortunately, NBC and, and uh, HRTV and originally TVG gave me the opportunity to, um, you know, 
via broadcast or doing the uh, lead analyst work for them, and and it opened up some some new avenues and kept me involved in the sport. But the the competitive juices, I don't think, ever really went away. And um, I think it was, you know, when I, I really um, got into um, the rehabbing of of my body uh, when I was up in Seattle, like. Uh, I went for three weeks where I didn't even get on horses. It was just strictly in the gym and got to a certain fitness level, and I started getting on, on some young horses at uh, Pegasus Thoroughbred uh, Training Center up in Redmond, Washington. Uh, a couple of my good friends, uh, Mike Kiewicz, Jason Orman, uh, they run that place up there, and I was getting on like 10 horses a day early in the morning, and I'd go to the gym for four hours. So they were like two-a-days, and... I said, man, I can do this. It's, you know, the body's there, the mind, and I, I, I was loving it. It was sort of like going back to my childhood when I was getting on, on horses and, and breaking them and, um, you know, young horses and, and schooling them to be race horses. And that's what I was doing. And it's something I hadn't done since my teens. And it just really brought a passion back for me. Oh, that is fantastic. You know, you, you made one comment that I found very interesting. I've always enjoyed uh, listening to you on television. But you said that since you became a racing analyst, that you look at races differently, and you feel that that can actually help you right now as a jockey. Yeah, I mean, it, it does to a certain level, but it's so much, it's, you know, it's easy to guy, be the guy sitting up in the booth. And, and uh, I, I've always tried to have a, an open mind when uh, I am analyzing the race, either prior to or explaining uh, what happened and why it happened after the fact. And it, it's easy when you're sitting up there doing that, talking about what you love and, and knowing uh, basically why riders made a certain decision. But at the end of the day, when you're out there on the racetrack, there, there's nothing like being in the in the race itself and and making those split-second decisions. And, um, you know, you can be up there in the booth watching it, and, and you're not thinking as quickly as what the guys are out on the racetrack. So, um, you know, it's it's been a process of, of getting back in, into the speed of the game because the speed of the game is, is lightning quick. And, you know, this past weekend, everything had just slowed down for me. It was it was like, okay, I'm, I'm here, back in the zone. And um, instead of, you know, running down that hillside turf course at Santa Anita and six and a half furlongs and 111 and change, it seems like it takes five minutes. You know, everything is just slowed down in front of you, and that's, that's a good feeling. Well, we uh, certainly are, are happy to see you back in the game, back in the saddle. It's nice to know that when you do decide to hang your boots up, you're going to have another uh, career waiting for you in television. I uh, just thank you so much, and just just know that you've got a huge fan base uh, behind you, and we really hope that uh, you do get to be in the post parade on that first Saturday in May. John, thank you so much for having me on, and, and like I said, uh, my my family at NBC, HRTV, and, and the fans out there, believe me, it's it's not unappreciated. I uh, without without the hope and support of all of, of those people, then I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Well, you've got our support and all the listeners from Winning Ponies. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Gary. All right, part. Thank you. All right, that was Gary Stevens taking the time to be with us on Winning Ponies. And we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with you.
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is Eric Wing of the NTRA. He is the marketing maven. He's also one heck of a handicapper and is responsible for so many things that the NTRA does, one of them being their biggest event of the year that took place out in Las Vegas last week, the National Handicapping Championship, partnered up with the Daily Racing Forum. I'm sure that was uh, quite an event. Uh, Eric, tell us about it. Well, it was a great event, and this is actually our busiest time of of year because we do the uh, the Eclipse Awards and then the National Handicapping Championship almost on back-to-back weekends. Uh, so a lot of work goes into it, and then it goes by like a whirlwind. But, yeah, we gave away uh, $1.5 million out at Treasure Island in Las Vegas, and uh, the bulk of that, or at least half of it, seven hundred and fifty grand, went to Jim Bennis of Countryside, Illinois. He won uh, the two-day competition by a grand total of a dollar twenty, <laughs> we and talked about that on the show last two, week. That's pretty amazing. A place yeah, bet, you know, on the last race year. of the day I for mean, him. Two years ago, Michael Baychok won by a buck, and uh, and Bennis won by a dollar twenty. He was trailing going into the last race by two dollars and forty cents, and he made his final mythical two dollar win and place bet 
in the last race at Santa Anita on a horse named Hide the Good Stuff, who is the eight to five favorite, barely held on for second, but that place payoff of three sixty made all the difference. It put him over the top, and his competitor, the guy who had been in front, Roger Satina, had opted for a twenty five to one shot in that last race, who ran out of the money, so that propelled uh Bennis over Satina and Bennis wound up with seven hundred and fifty thousand and not a bad payday for Satina, but uh, in two hundred thousand, but but you know five hundred and fifty thousand dollars less than he than he would have had. Oh man, it, it's it's tough, and I and I know that last year, like you said, was uh, was uh, just about just as, as close. Um, Eric, again, you know, between the Eclipse Awards and the National Handicapping Championship, and now pretty much you know the road to the Kentucky Derby. You do an outstanding job at covering that. I know I show up to a lot of the races, and I turn around, and boom, I'm bumping to you in, in, in the winner's circle. But in addition to that, yeah, it lo- looks like you've, you've partnered up uh, with, with the Jockey Club to put out uh, America's Best Racing, something I love because, thank God, you put it out every Thursday before the show, and I get to catch <laughs> up on uh, on a lot of news. But one of the, the very top feature of In the News is Eric Wing selects his top 40. Boy, I thought Steve Haskin was busy with his top 10. Top 40 Triple Crown contenders. I'm telling people, you got to go there. It's America's uh, Best Racing, followhorseracing.com. But, uh, Eric, you, you do a great job, and quite frankly, looking at your selections, you and I aren't uh, too far off on a lot of the horses we like. Well, um, great minds think alike, John. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people do the top 10 or the top, dozen or top 20 this is just because i love the triple crown so much i like drilling down a little further and when i'm out in vegas for the national handicapping championship i promise you uh, i sneak away for about a half a day while we're uh, getting set up and go around and cruise the race books look uh, to shop for future book odds so i've been you know studying the three-year-olds uh and um one of my favorite ways to attack it isn't necessarily to look at the horses that you know are in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile or the Remsen or the Hollywood Futurity. I like looking at the horses that might just have uh, cleared their one other than condition impressively, or maybe even broken their maidens impressively, and kind of get on them before the rest of the general public does so. So I, I like to think that I have a decent idea of who the the stars in waiting, if you will, are, and that's if this was our first uh, edition of Wings Watch of the Triple Crown Watch at uh, ABR right now. So, um, I, where I vary from maybe some of the others is in my top twenty, you'll see more of the allowance horses that I think are on the way up, rather than some of the horses that are kind of more known commodities. Well, I just want to tell our listeners here on Winning Ponies again, uh, we're t- talking with Eric Wing from the NTRA, is um, in this Triple Crown Wash, not only does he give his picks, but he gives you the trainer, the horse's career record, the win Las Vegas odds, possible next start, and then a nice little thing called Wings Things uh, <laughs> that can kind of ju- just give you a one-line little insight into why he likes the horse, but what's even Adds to that is you can go underneath it and click on the video and take a look at that horse's last race. I just think it's a fantastic feature, and I'm glad you've partnered up with the Jockey Club on this. 
Yeah, thanks, John. And the whole premise, now, now maybe this Triple Crown watch is uh, really, you know, appeals to people like you and me who are really into it. But ABR tries to, America's Best Racing tries to uh, really provide a lot of handrails for the new fans and maybe the fans who aren't as hardcore or aren't, you know, studying the, the Derby contenders in, in uh, January like we are. But um, and that's where the video comes in or, you know, a little background. And it, it's designed for the hardcore player, but also for the person who's kind of vaguely familiar, kind of interested in uh, the Triple Crown, but may not know any or many of the horses yet. So this gives them a, hopefully an entree into some of the horses, and you see who the trainers are and, and uh, pictures. It's very visual. You can see photos of each horse and trainer and, and like you say, some video as well in case you want to actually see these horses in action. So it's a nice touch. People who, who, who surf around the site, they'll see a lot of, you know, glossaries and, and uh, a lot of racing 101 type stuff to kind of get people past that initial learning curve that, that can be steep for some people. Well, you are an amazing wordsmith. It gives you a handrail. I love that, Eric. I love that, and it's so true. If, if, if a college kid came to me and says, hey, where can I go? I really enjoyed my day at the races. Where can I go to learn more about it? I would definitely point them in here, especially since you know, you've got blogs, you've got tweets, you've got fun photos, uh, and that's the kind of stuff that these college kids are grown up on. Yeah, I mean, uh, the tweets, I mean, Look, I, two years ago, heck, I didn't know what Twitter was. And it, it, it's something you can enjoy at any level. Uh, the younger guys and, and gals are, are really into it. You know, all I have to do is, is check out my daughters, <laughs> what they're doing on the computer. And, you know, Twitter is a way of life. But it, it's great for horse racing fans of any age and stripe. Um, one thing about horse racing fans, John, it's such a passionate fan base, and, and a lot of us can't get enough. And with, I, I think Twitter caters to our sport. Um, in fact, the whole notion of online and Internet caters to horse racing as, as well or better than, uh, than any other sport in terms of giving the real junkies like us as much as we can, uh, as much as we can handle. <laughs> well, and, and luckily, you know, I've read uh, some recent articles uh, about, you know, some of the trainers that are, now, that are jumping on board. So that's going to be a big plus to all of us. Well, I know a lot of our Winning Ponies listeners uh, are tuned in uh, to this portion of the program because they want to find out what our professional handicappers think about some of the upcoming uh, races of the week. And I thought we'd start out with uh, a race that uh, is going to give uh, some Kentucky Derby points out uh, at Golden Gate Fields. Uh, It's the El Camino Real. And uh, the way I look at this race, uh, I'll tell you who I like after you tell me who you like, is I basically just box the four horses nominated the Triple Crown. Uh, That's that's not a terrible uh, first step in looking at the race. And... Uh, you're talking about the one Wildcat Moon, the four Menando, five Zwat, and eight Carving. Um, it, it, it's funny. I, I, I went at it a little differently and came up with maybe oh, close to the same <laughs> results. 
But I looked at horses who have competed in graded stakes before that are in this race, and that would include your four Menando and your eight carving. It would also include a 30-to-1 shot that I think is not without a chance in here, and that's Counting Days, who is um, uh, 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 ran in the grade three generous stakes. And the one, I think there are two really interesting things about this race, John. Number one, a mile and an eighth at this time of year is pretty demanding for these horses. It's not a, it's not a walk in the park. And we saw last year, um, Daddy Knows Best and Lucky Chappie just kind of blow past the rest of the field and really duke it out. And those two did prove themselves to be kind of long-winded horses later on. So I think that's a plus. Um, the other thing is it's on the the tapita surface out at Golden Gate, which is pretty challenging. It, you know, it's it's not your typical uh, synthetic. I would I would I would liken it a little bit to Keeneland's uh, uh, Poly Track. So I think a horse with uh, maybe some turf form or uh, previous experience at Golden Gate might get a little edge. But you look at Menando who is third in the sham, and, and his company lines kind of lay over the others. I mean, he's yeah. third beaten two lengths by Golden Sense works for me. I'm a big um, admirer of Golden Sense. I think he's always been a good horse. And uh, to finish within two lengths of Golden Sense kind of points him out here. Now, it points him out to a lot of folks, too, as evidenced by the 9-5 to five morning line. I do think he'll be tough to beat. Um uh, and I mentioned Counting Days, his one race at Keeneland. Now, now granted, it was an, a maiden 50 claimer, but he just ran away from the field, one by ten and a half. The, the, the comment says, as rider pleased. And Carla Gaines hasn't gotten where she's, she is by running 30 to one shots in, in impossible spots. And I found it interesting that she was running in the race, period, and shipping north to do it. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in a favorite in Menando and a long shot in Counting Days. Well, I, I, I'm with you with Menando. I, I think that uh, speed is always dangerous. Uh, like so many horses in here, you know, that, that, uh, that extra distance is going to be a question. I just have to give credit to what Jerry Hollendorfer has done with Z-Watt. Now, he's a son of Harlan's Holiday, who, who's done re- very well. You mentioned the Tapetta surface, and that could give him a slight edge over this group in that he really seems to like it. I just like the way he stretched him out from you know winning his maiden that, uh, you know, at five and a half, and since then he's gone to six furlongs a mile, successfully at a mile on the 16th, and I like the way Russell Bays kind of took him off the pace last time because he won the gold rush wire to wire and then it kind of seemed like they did a little schooling with him last time after having a bad start that was a very impressive performance so you know i'm really leaning towards uh z-watt mandano of course now that you've brought my attention to counting days he'll be part of my trifecta but uh it looks like we're, we're not too far off there but i like i like horses for course over over you know, synthetic surfaces, I'll give you that. Uh, from there, let's stay on the West Coast a little bit. Speaking of Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, he's kind of hedged his bet in Santa Maria, grade two, going a mile on the 16th. He's only got three runners in here, but to be quite honest with you, um, 
he doesn't have the horse I think I'm going to put on top. I want to see where you're going. Well, uh, yeah, he only has three out of the six, although I did read in a, a Daily Racing Forum article that he's 90% certain that he's going to scratch uh, going for a spin, the four horse, which would leave him with two out of a resulting field of five. Um, the horse, uh, it, it's a very contentious race. I think it might be, even though it may wind up with only five horses, in some respects it might be the toughest race of the four we're going to discuss to handicap. Um I do my own speed figures, and while the buyer figures for this race are all seemingly very comparable for the three chalky-type horses, Book Review, Lady of 50, and Snowfall, my own homemade figures have Snowfall running the much faster race of the three, um, and that was last time out for Hollendorfer in the Passiana. What I'm hoping is the the similar-looking buyers and the fact that Snowfall is is stepping up from a non-graded stakes into this spot throw people off the scent. But I'm kind of uh, – it's the kind of race I can't even get myself interested in exactors or tries. I'm just, I'm just going to pop Snowfall to win and hope that my figures are, uh, are right. Well, I've got the Snowfall most probably the, my second choice – I really think this race has to go through book review. Uh, you've got the Killer Bees, uh, Baffert and Bejarano. Uh The horse uh, came out after a short layoff in, in the La Canada Stakes, a grade two. Uh, had a little bit of trouble in that race, uh, rallied to get up, was only beaten a length and three quarters, uh, was the second choice in there. Um, I just, you know, when you look at the fact that the horse, he really likes Santa Anita. He likes a mile and a 16th. He's won almost half of his career starts for over a half a million dollars. I, I just, I'm kind of giving the class edge to book review. Yeah, book review is a horse I saw quite a bit of when he was here in New York uh, during the bulk of 2012 for Chad Brown, and I was really excited uh, to see what Baffert would do with him. Um, not that you know Chad Brown isn't excellent, but you know Baffert is 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 a Hall of Famer, and you know just for the sake of argument, his La Cañada kind of left me a, a a little bit cold. I mean, I think my expectations were too high going in. I mean, he ran a solid race, a 94 buyer, which is close to what he was running when he was back in New York, and you know I. I, I I, I, I just was a bit underwhelmed by his race in the La Cañada, and um, you know, which was against restricted straight four-year-old competition. So I'm willing to take a shot ag- against him. Um, although, you know, his best races for Brown in uh, in, in some summertime of last year, um, when he was knocking heads with Questing and and a couple of others um, contested. Uh, he would be no surprise. I'm, I'm, I just can't pull the trigger on that horse, John. Well, like I said, you're going to bet him, you're going to box him. Those are going to be my two picks in there. Uh, we've got about six minutes left to break down the last two races. Uh, what do you say we go to Laurel? Uh, seven furlongs, again, always an interesting 
distance. You got you got some that might be a little bit better at six, and some that have been racing a mile and sixteenth that, that are turning back. Um, a very interesting field. You've got uh, some horses for course. Uh, you've got this one horse, and I, I had to do some homework here. My Wandy's girl, but all of a sudden, you know, this horse won eight races in a row. She's a four-year-old filly. Uh, she's bred in Kentucky, but I noticed that she easily, in her eight-race scheme, won the Roberto Clemente Grade Two, which tells me that this horse has been racing in Puerto Rico. Yes, El Comandante, and I haven't seen any of those Puerto Rico races, but I saw her two races in New York, and they tried to stretch her out last time in the Gazelle, uh, going a mile and an eighth, and she really drew a poor post position. She was kind of caught outside the whole way. It was really no shame in her third-place performance in that race. Um, Not the horse I would pick on top myself. In fact, I'm not sure he's the best she's the best horse that Mike Hushin is has entered in this race because he's got Nicole H in there also on kind of short rest. The horse that really intrigues me, uh, and if if the horse is five, stays to her five to one morning line odds, I'll certainly Don't be playing her as bold affair. Unbelievable! Um, Great minds do think alike. I love this. Yeah. Now this horse, I mean. Loves two things, loves being at Laurel and loves running seven furlongs, and she's got both things in her factor in her favor on Saturday. The two races she's run at seven furlongs, both at Laurel, um, she's won by a combined 19 and three-quarter lengths with uh, close to triple-digit buyers. And, you know, you could look at this race one other way, John. If you say, if you look at the, the form, and you say, who could possibly run a triple-digit buyer in here? You're only talking about two horses, and that's Nicole H. and Bold Affair. And given the hometown advantage of sorts with Bold Affair, that's who I like. Well, I, I, again, I, I mentioned my Wandy's girl because I wanted your background on it, but the horses that I have X's on are Bold Affair and Nicole H. Nicole H. ran second uh, in this race last year, was only beaten the neck, but I just think that she might be better at six furlongs, and I'd love to have this exacta, which I will box, come in with Bold Affair on top at five to one. All right, Eric, I'm looking at about two and a half minutes. My producer, D's banging on the window, giving me the <laughs> thumbs up. And uh, so now we go to a race just slew of questions it's the uh i may hatch at this name the mac dermita grade two uh one and three eighths miles on the turf at Gulfstream park uh, the two horses that are jumping to the to the top to me are the inside horse twilight eclipse who's sad to say is by a, a sire that died way too early purum that seems to be a pretty hot stud uh, uh horse had a Big race in the McKnight. And then I noticed that uh, Johnny V is getting off uh, uh, Teeks North to ride this horse, Amira's Prince, for Billy Mott. Now, I know they were optional claimers, but solid times, and uh, the horse is uh, two for two, two times out under Mott. That, that jockey switch caught my eye, too, because Teeks North ran very well in the Sunshine Millions turf. For Michelle Nevin, her first time training after taking over from Rick Dutrow. Right. Teeks North got bet in that race, too. He, he opened up a lot shorter than the 8-1. Uh, to one. He ultimately went off, and he ran to that early steam in the uh, Sunshine Millions turf. Um, so I, I, I do like Teeks North. Um, Twilight Eclipse <clears throat> will be reckoned with off the night win. Uh, that's a West Point Thoroughbreds purchase. 
the horse I'm most interested in this race, and to me, he'll never he'll never have a better setup or on paper at least than he will on Saturday as Lucky Chappie, who is uh, dropping weight, which I think is significant, going a mile and three eighths, and he's a, a, a stone closer who ran well in the Hollywood Derby behind some nice horses and is just getting a nice-looking pace set up in here. I mean, you've got a bunch of horses um, who look like straight speeds and a bunch more who look like stalkers, and then you got Lucky Chappie who, you know, if the pace is hot, he may be running over horses late. So that's it's almost like a now-or-never time for Lucky Chappie, and I'm going to bet that it's now for Grand Motion. All right. Well, uh, Eric Wing from the NTRA, thank you so much, uh, for uh, for spending the time with us here on Winning Ponies. I love your introspective look at the way you break down a race, and I wish you all the luck in the world uh, wherever you're betting this weekend, and I look forward to crossing paths with you, I'm guessing, in a couple of weeks somewhere in Kentucky. I'll see you at Turfway if you're there, John. I, I, I should be. I should be. I'll see you there, and then hopefully I'll see you down uh, at my old Kentucky home. Sounds good to me. All right. Eric Wing from the NTRA, ladies and gentlemen. This guy knows how to break down a race. Very astute handicapper, and I've watched him in person. He does go to the windows. He's not just there covering it for the NTRA. So I want to thank thank, uh, Eric Wing and certainly Gary Stevens. I know he had a very, very busy schedule. It was great for him uh, to spend the time. But we try to bring you the best of the best here on Winning Ponies. So we're going to close out another show. Remember, folks, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.